It was a pleasure to go to the home of Courtney and John for an Orange Sox interview. They adopted Bella as a newborn and were excited new parents. Bella exhibited behaviors early on of someone on the autism spectrum and having a mood disorder. But these symptoms were only recognized later on when Courtney and John reflected back after Bella received these diagnoses at age nine. Bella is now 12 years old and has made great strides with proper medical treatment and behavioral interventions. I got to meet Bella. What a delightful person who is a blessing for everyone who knows her. Courtney and John, thank you so much for taking the time to meet with me. Thanks a, for having us. It's an honor. We're talking about your daughter, Bella, whom you adopted. Uh, do you wanna tell me a little bit about the adoption? Yes, so the adoption took place at birth back in 2005, and it was kind of a whirlwind, honestly. I had been through a series of miscarriages, several years worth. In the spring of 05, after I was pregnant for the fifth time, and I looked at John and I said, if I miscarry again, we're going to adopt. My heart can't keep doing this. Mm -hmm. And yet I know with all of my heart that there's a baby that's supposed to be coming to mm -hmm. our family. So I did miscarry again, and we were building our first home at the time, and we said when we get into the home, we will go and start the adoption process. Well, about two and a half weeks before we were supposed to close on that home, we got a call from a friend that said, make this phone call right now. There's a baby being born in California. There's no plans. The baby needs to be placed. Make this call right now. Mm. <laughs> we made the call and we flew to Texas to meet a birth aunt that was facilitating the adoption about three or four days later. And Bella was born about 10 days after that in California and was in our home a couple days after that. So wow. it was quite literally a miracle. Just even the process of getting her into our home. We had no home study even when we started the process. That's interesting. So John, after a period of time, my assumption is you started realizing that maybe Bella might have a couple of issues. She struggled as she got a little bit older. She was very fussy and then she never really interacted well with other kids. She just never had the ability to control her emotions and it always showed. She was scratching, biting, pinching. And for us, we were very young. And my take has always been, oh, it's okay, she's okay. Courtney was the one with the foresight to say, you know, there's something going on here. This is not normal. But we didn't really have a clear understanding of what it was. And the fact that she was adopted in a whirlwind, she was adopted in a whirlwind. We didn't have even the knowledge to know what questions to ask the birth parents. And so there was a lot of information we found out later that helped us better understand what she was dealing with that at that time we did not have or did not know. Because of the whirlwind of the adoption and because of our age, I was 23 years old when we adopted Bella. Mm. <laughs> That's not a very common story. But I think we felt so strongly about starting a family that yeah. none of that mattered. Uh -huh. Age didn't matter, circumstance did not matter because this baby was meant to be with us. Sure. John's absolutely right. Everything came late for Bella, mm. but we didn't know it was late. Uh. <laughs> she walked a little later. She definitely spoke later. She was well into three when she started speaking. I didn't know 
that that was different. And John's right, she acted out aggressively a lot in those toddler years. We thought it was because of communication. We thought it was because of speech. Frustration. Frustration based on communication. And for years and years and years, although we knew Bella had problems, we often thought we were often trying to treat the symptoms through speech therapy and other things. Or trying to change our parenting style because it was on us that she was hitting or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. It was through those toddler years for sure that we thought something was going on. So when did you get a diagnosis? Like I told you, we treated the symptoms for years. Mm -hmm. There was never a diagnosis until two and a half years ago okay. when she was about a little over nine. What caused you at that point to maybe seek a diagnosis or to seek some assistance or? So to be fair, she's had assistance her whole life. Okay. But very much on the peripheral issues. Okay. Like I said, speech therapy, tutors for school, we were treating symptoms mm. for a very long time. And a lot of it, honestly, is because of our own personal paradigms of the world. Mm -hmm. We have never been big fans of labels, diagnoses, all of those things. It's fine, it'll work itself out. If we just act this way, it will all be okay. And in many ways, I still really believe that. But at the same time, it really prevented us from getting her the care and the diagnoses that she needed to move forward. Okay. So in all reality, what was the, the impetus for that was we moved. And she got into a school situation that was not healthy for her. And let me tell you, my daughter is a fighter and she adapts really, really well. And I think that's one of the reasons that it took us so long because she's incredibly... She's adaptive. Yeah, she, she is. has the ability to see what's going on and try her best. And for years in school, she was able to fill that gap of what her ability was to what her peers' abilities was by adapting. In some ways, tricking us and helping us believe that she was able to do it by whatever her mechanism was. She had, has incredible tools that she utilizes to her benefit. Hmm. And that's what it was. So we moved, she got in a school situation that ended up being incredibly unhealthy for her to the point that her aggression and her anger hit a tipping point where it was no longer safe for her. It was no longer safe for us. And her brothers, her siblings. And her siblings. And we were at kind of our wits end. We didn't know what to do. And I happened to have been at a conference for work and I kind of just spilled <laughs> my story and my feelings to a friend that I knew through work and she said, she ever gone up to see a psychiatrist? Has she ever considered any sort of in-treatment, inpatient care? And of course my first reaction was, of course not. She doesn't need that, we're fine. Before that, we had started seeing psychiatrists at the local hospital. Yes, that's true. However, first, insurance has never done a good job of covering those visits and they were very expensive. And then we struggled to find a psychiatrist that we held on to for more than three months because mm. they were either on rotation or they got transferred to a different division. I think in the, over the course of a year, we saw three different psychiatrists. Wow. So we never were able to dive deep with who Bella is and what was going on. There was her. very little continuity of care. Mm. So quite literally, that conversation took place and Bella was at a place that we were having two to three hour major 
anger, aggressive meltdowns every single day. Hmm. We just kind of held on and we're like, okay, we'll figure it out, we'll get through it. And after that conversation, John picked me up from that conference. And on the way home, Bella was just showing incredibly unsafe behavior, things that I get emotional even thinking about because it's so scary. Mm -hmm. And she was talking about a lot of self-harm. And I said, John, I think we need to call the university hospital and see if there's any sort of help we can get. It didn't even occur to me that that help was there. Mm because I didn't have a diagnosis. I didn't have a doctor consistently helping me. Who knew her. Who knew her enough to be able to say, we need this. Bella does not have the sort of mental illness that you can just see, right? She's incredibly adaptive. You don't know that there's a lot of angst and heartache going on. So we called up to the university hospital and we told them what was going on and they immediately admitted her for a week under the circumstances that she was not safe for herself or for others. We're talking about a nine-year-old little girl that was talking about hurting herself and talking about killing herself. And again, I knew it wasn't normal, but I also didn't know what to do. So thank goodness for that friend who provided that lifeline and just validated me there was solutions and that this was okay to talk about. So that really was an incredible turning point for us. And you got a diagnosis. We started meeting with three or four psychiatrists and then doctors and all of a sudden this team emerged that said, this is, we need to do this test, we need to do this test, we need to do this test. And it gave us so much organization to what was going on, to the chaos that our life was at that time. And through that process, we came up with the a diagnosis. diagnosis. And it was a dual diagnosis of autism on the spectrum mm -hmm. and then a mood disorder. Autism in girls looks very different than it does in boys. I think a lot of us have learned from modern day culture what autism in boys looks like. I don't think it's very common what autism in girls looks like. And so we did not even have that general concept that that's what autism in girls looks like. And then the mood disorder, and then we learned some other things about her IQ and memory and other things based on her genetics and where she came from that gave us some more clarity okay. on, on why she was struggling the way she was in school and not being able to remember things and not having the ability to do what she wanted to do, which was causing frustration, which with her mood disorder and the way her brain was wired caused her to react and do certain. Now, I know you didn't like labels, but did you find some measure of relief or something in actually getting a diagnosis? Absolutely. It was my own ignorance. Hmm. If nothing else, like John said, it brought out a team. It brought out a plan. It gave us tools to move forward. I felt like for several years we were stuck, that we didn't know how to get out of this kind of loop we were in of behavior. And it wasn't without effort. It wasn't without effort. It wasn't like she was seeing doctors. She, we saw psychologists for years, and quite frankly, things were misdiagnosed mm. again and again. About two years prior to this whole event occurring, we were told she had an attachment disorder because she was adopted, because some of those same behaviors look very similar. But that's not right, and that wasn't what was going on, right? And so we were going down that path 
But finally, through this honestly incredibly traumatic event of having to put your child in a psychiatric unit just out of sheer need for them to get help, all of the pieces fell into place. And it was like letting go of all of my own personal expectations and preconceived notions allowed us to get her the help and put us on the path of being so much more healthy today than we were then. Let's talk about today. She's 12? She's 12. So it's been three years since that mm -hmm. life-changing event, receiving the diagnosis. What's different now? What's happened over the last three years? Well, the next step after that, we realized that things needed to change in her schooling environment, in her home environment, and leaving the psychiatric ward, they have this transition unit where they help the child and help the parents learn how to adapt back to a normal environment. That team of people was kind of life-changing. They loved Bella, Bella loved them, and she grew comfortable with who she was, and she learned some coping techniques that really changed everything because then from there she shifted back to mainstream school and we realized very quickly that mainstream school was not the right place for her so it took another couple months of going through the school district to petition to have her into what's called a self-contained class where she is in a smaller group of children eight to twelve kids with three or four teachers that know how to deal with children with special needs and disabilities. And that was the next transition of life that has made all the difference in the world. It went from kicking and screaming to go to school to her now waking up half an hour early this morning, getting dressed by herself, combing her own hair because she wants to be ready for school. That's great. And she wants to be at school because her friends are there. She is loved and she's accepted. That transition from hell on earth where we were just dealing and surviving to some of the most traumatic experiences of sending our daughter to a psychiatric unit to then learning the transition to going to a self-contained class has been honestly a huge life shift for us. It's been, it's provided so much more peace at home. Her brothers are in a safer place. Our family is in a safer place. It's been a huge transition for us. And I would say not only safety is a huge piece, right? Because we're very familiar with what aggression and anger can look like and feel like in a home, but not only safety, but like thriving. It's gone from survival to thriving. Yeah, seeing her and being able to reframe our own minds to seeing her for her and the beautiful young woman she's turning into and being able to appreciate that although her life may look different than I expected it to, there is still so much beauty and so many wonderful things. We had her entire class over for her birthday party a few weeks ago. And it was one of those moments as a mom where I had gone from having times where I didn't know if she'd ever have a friend to seeing her interact and laugh and play and dance. And it was just not only incredibly therapeutic, but so much joy, so much joy. I wanted to ask a question. Tell me about the impact that she has had on your extended family, her siblings. I'll speak to the extended family and John can speak to the brothers. One of Bella's gifts and talents, because I believe everyone has gifts and talents, is that people love her. 
can't help but just love her if you know her. And so the amount of love and understanding and increased empathy from everyone in our families is phenomenal. The opening of worldviews and mindsets based on this one individual child is pretty phenomenal. I think of the change she's created in me and in John, but then I think about the change she's created in my mother and the opening of love and understanding that's occurred. And I think that is just a piece of her manifesting out into all of us. She's loved wherever she goes, really. <laughs> to know Bella is to love her. The hard part is when people don't know her because her disabilities aren't visual, they're more mental. Sometimes you get an odd look in a store when she's having a hard time and someone just they can't look at her and see that she has missing legs or maybe Down syndrome. It just It's not as visual, it's just different. Um, so that's a challenge, but our family who's embraced that, they have been nothing but loving. And her brothers, a nine and six-year-old, almost six, they take on, in some ways, the caretaker role. They know when she's having a hard day, they walk downstairs. It's been amazing, even since our youngest was like three, he will say like, oh, Bella's having a hard day, I better go into a different room. They've learned to adapt. And they've also learned to be her protectors and to show unconditional love there. And that's it's been amazing to see our, our boys develop empathy for her. That's great. What a progression that has happened over the past 12 years. I, I find myself wondering, because some people want to adopt. Some people, after they adopt, find out that the child that they adopt have some challenges. If I were contemplating adoption, but I had some concerns about what am I gonna end up with, with a child, then what advice would you give me? I would start out by saying that, I always find it interesting when people think that they get to choose how their child is gonna turn out if they adopt. I think there's a certain amount of uncertainty when you adopt, and there's a certain amount of uncertainty when you have a biological child. We have two adopted children and one biological child. And you don't know what you're gonna get with either way. There is an aura of, I can choose, or this false perception you get to choose when you adopt all the mm -hmm. different things how your child's going to be. It's not the way. A child is unique, and you won't get to decide. I think you get to decide one thing, if you love that child and support that child or not. And that's the, really the only choice you have in raising a child. And that's the most important choice, I also believe. That's great. Courtney, there have been good times, there have been bad times, there have been some scary times. Things are better. You've known Bella now for 12 years. Is it worth it? Isn't that the interesting part, is that it's through some of our um, biggest struggles and unexpected moments that the most beautiful parts of our lives arise. My life is completely different than I thought it was going to be when we adopted that child 12 years ago, but it's so much better. Have I had to change things? Yes. My expectations are different. Our schedules are different. <laughs> we have a lot of support and outside help. But those are all beautiful things because ultimately I have her. I think it was interesting when the diagnosis first happened and we came to the full realization of who she is and what she's gonna struggle with. I think we both went through a mourning process and that was something that we had to do each individually, and we did them at different times, of mourning for the life 
that we thought we were going to have, that we'd already pre-planned for, and adjusting to the life that we have and then choosing to make the best of that life. That was a big paradigm shift for both of us to come to that full realization and to learn to love where we're at now. And we have a beautiful life and she's a beautiful child. She's asked some amazing questions. She asked me two days ago, Daddy, what does my future look like for me? And it was like a heart, <laughs> because it's something Courtney and I talk a lot about. What is her future going to look like? How can we do what we can now to provide the best future for her? And for her to ask that question, to have the mental capacity to ask that question was a beautiful moment for me. Like, Bella, you're, I have this vision for you that it's going to be beautiful and you're going to have a great life. And I'm not saying that because I'm just feeding her a line. I believe that. I believe that because I've accepted who she is and she's beautiful, even though it's not who we had thought she was going to be 12 years ago, six years ago, or three years ago. She's a beautiful person and accepting that wholly has been great for us. It really has. I don't think either of us are under the assumption that life is not going to still be hard and there still won't be difficult times and things that we won't know how to do. In fact, we are coming into the teenage years, <laughs> which I know are difficult with any child, but we have additional difficulties with Bella's challenges. But like, I know we can do it and I know she can do it. And I love what you said about the vision. And that's one thing we've said to each other is that like, we will have a vision for her life. We will hold it dear until she can take it on for herself and we'll nourish it and hold it and we'll set it up until she can, in whatever capacity that is, take it for herself and on her own. Great, that's super. Any final thoughts? It's our pleasure. I don't know how else to say it. It's our pleasure to get to be her parents. We didn't choose it in any way, but we get to be a part of her life and see the impact she's going to have on the world and hopefully facilitate it a little and it's just our pleasure to experience it with her. Great. Well, John and Courtney, you guys are awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time to meet with me to tell your story. I really appreciate it. And I'm sure many people will enjoy listening to it. Thank Thanks, you. Cheryl.